Good morning, everyone. I'd like to invite the ushers back up. You guys have enough time? So ushers, they're going to come back up and they're going to pass out um, some uh, discussion guide questions, a prayer sheet, and uh, some kazoos, okay? So what parents, you grab one of these. This is for you. On the front has a prayer. We're going to pray for our kids um, today. We're going to commission our kids today. We're going to spend the rest of the morning honoring our kids as they go back to school. Some of them already been in school for a week as our college students have gone. And then on the back, there's um, discussion uh, questions for you to go with your family uh, throughout this week. And the kazoos, just... Uh, I'm passing them out now. Ushers, anybody that's under 20-ish gets a kazoo, okay? And just, parents, be with your kids. I'm trusting you, passing this out during, before the sermon, so just show some restraint, okay? And just remember, I know your names, and if there are disruptions, I will be calling you out by name, okay? Those are for the very end, so save those. Here's a demonstration when we get, because what we're going to do, here's the idea behind it. Our kazoos, we're talking about Gideon. We're going to have a battle call at the end. Show us how we're going to do it. So the trick is you have to hum into it, not just blow into it. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome. Yeah? Yeah, You get what you pay for, right? All right. No, no, I meant the kazoo. The kazoo. Thank you very much. That was awesome. I said that was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wow. I got to be careful this morning. All right. So I've asked, uh, I've asked our kids to open us up uh, with um, some scripture reading. So do I have to, is this thing on? Good. Judges six thirty-six through 40. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look. I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. Judges chapter 7, verses 4 through 8. But the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say, This one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, This one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water, There the Lord told him, Separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Three hundred of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, With the three hundred men that that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the three hundred who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. Judges seven nineteen through 21. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. 
They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. Thank you. Would you stand as uh, Kate prays for the sermon for the rest of the morning? Please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the chance we have to worship you today and for your constant love for us. I pray for George as he speaks to us today that we may experience you in new and exciting ways. Please help us to apply your teachings into our everyday life and to live in a way that glorifies you. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you very much, everyone. We have a bunch of awesome kids at this church. So, I want to open this morning by saying that if anyone in the next week or the next month comes up to you and says, you know what, God never really gives you anything more than you can handle, I want you to point them to Judges chapter 7. Because what's happening there, God is instructing Gideon to take over an army that has over 100,000 soldiers with 300 300 of his own men. And I think that this definitely qualifies, this definitely goes into the category of more than you can handle. And the reason why I've asked our youth to participate this morning, because you know who gets this message? You know who really understands the heart of this message? It's our youth. Our youth dream impossible things. Sometimes I think what happens when we get a little bit older we experience some stuff. We have dreams that sometimes get crushed. As a matter of fact, I heard someone once describe the process of aging as slowly giving up one dream after another. So this morning, I want to say, let's not do that. I want to say we're going to do just the opposite of that. This is the last installment of our series together. This is our culture statement, anything is possible with God. So as introduction, kids, youth, I know you're already with me, I'm going to talk to a little more mature of us in the audience, okay? Because I want to set the foundation, I want to get us all in the right frame of mind so that we have the heart of a young person and we're ready to step out to do big things with God. So I want us to think back to maybe when we were younger and maybe when we were dreaming bigger, and think about what characteristics are necessary in your heart to step out and say, you know what, God? I believe. You know what, God? I believe that anything really is possible with you, and you know what's more? I'm ready. Let's go. What are the characteristics? What does young at heart just naturally do? That's what I want to relearn this morning. I want to look at my kids first because my kids teach me an awful lot. The first one, first characteristic I learned from my son, Joseph. Joseph got this uh, pseudo Fitbit a while ago. And I have one that's built into my watch, keeps uh, track of all my 300 steps a day. (laughs) Yeah. 13 so far, so I'm right on track. (laughs) 
But he got this Fitbit, and he just was sure joy because he had an impossible task in front of him, this obstacle, how many steps can I get in a day, yeah? And you know how my son uses his Fitbit? He doesn't measure his steps, he shakes it like this, yeah? (laughs) And he looks at me, and he says, Dad, look at that, I just got 3,000 steps. (laughs) So by the end of the day, he ends up with 30,000 steps. I've tried to explain to him, you know, son, this is a health thing, this is to measure um, how much you're moving around in the day, but he doesn't care because there's just pure joy in what he's doing. For me, it's more of an obligation. I'm looking at this thing, and sometimes I grunt and groan when I see how many steps I've taken in a day. But not anymore. I put the joy back in it. I've learned from my son. I tried shaking my watch, but my watch is a little bit smarter than me. It doesn't measure steps like that. I've even tried just moving my arms. It doesn't work, but I figured out joyfully how to trick my watch into getting steps without taking any steps. That was 20 steps right there. Yeah? I'm feeling the joy. And I just want us to have joy as we walk into this impossible stuff with God because what is so crucial about joy is that it leads us into the next two characteristics. Sometimes we take all the joy out of looking at the impossible things with God. But it's crucial. It's crucial to dreaming Big, which is our second characteristic of anything's possible with God. Dream big. This hit home for me because we were on vacation um, two weeks ago. We were driving through southern Minnesota, down by Preston, going to Mystery Cave. And if you've ever been in southern Minnesota, you just know that it's beautiful farm country. Yep, <laughs> I got a shout out for southern Minnesota, absolutely. So I'll do a shout out for Mongolia. The, uh, I had uh, in my heart... I'm a country boy. We lived in a log cabin. There was, I loved uh, chopping wood. I loved the chores. I loved burning stuff. I loved all of it. I loved uh, no running water. I loved no indoor plumbing, even in minus 40 degree weather. Okay? You understand the implications of that. I still loved it. So I was fantasizing out loud as we're driving. Wouldn't it be cool, looking at all these beautiful farms, wouldn't it be cool if we had a farm? You know what? Your mom and me, we could work the land, we could have some animals, we could have some pigs, we could have some cows, we could have a horse. I made a mistake of saying a horse, right? So Terry and I start listening to music, continuing driving, and then we notice that there is a real serious, almost furious argument happening in the back seat. I'm like, what is going on? And this is what I love about Young at Heart, is because they dream with no boundaries, Georgia said to me, you know, I want a horse, I want to ride the horse, but Joseph wants the horse and he doesn't want to share. So they had taken it to that next level where it had become a reality, and they're about ready to come to blows almost in the back seat. Now that's an exaggeration, but they took it to that level, dreaming big. It's possible. All their emotions are involved. It was an easy fix for me. Immediately I knew what I had to do. So I turned to my kids and said, you know what? I'm feeling really generous with my imagination this morning. (laughs) Horses for everybody, okay? (laughs) So that's what I want. I want us to dream big when we go out of these doors this morning. Horses for everyone. They're in the parking lot waiting for you, okay? (laughs) 
along with the kazoos. <laughs> We're going to dream big this school year. This morning, let's have a deep sense of joy when we have the privilege of stepping into God's larger redemptive story, and let's dream exceedingly generously. Anything is possible. We're going to dream big, because here's the truth. If you can fulfill your dreams in your power, if I can go out tomorrow and this is my dream life and this is my walking and I can do it in my own power, if I am not feeling overwhelmed by my dreams and sometimes even completely overwhelmed, if I can do everything in my own strength, if you can do everything in your own strength, your dreams aren't big enough. Dream big with God. Step out with God. You cannot do it yourself. And the last characteristic I want to talk about is something that has to do with the father-child relationship. It's something I see in my kids daily. It's a deep sense of trust. My kids trust Terry and me. They know that we've got them. They know beyond a shadow of doubt that what is best for them is what we're going to do. Georgia has always mimicked what I do and what I say, yeah? Even from when she was very, very young. And that's because she trusts me. She wants to be like her daddy. And I'm going to show a clip of Georgia when she was one and a half, just to give you a visual. Nobody could figure out what she was doing in this clip until they realized that she was mimicking my air guitar, okay? I'm pretty good at air guitar. The stance is important. You hold the guitar like this, but more important is you got to bite your lower lip and close your eyes, right? <laughs> this is Georgia at one and a half mimicking her dad. Go ahead and roll that clip. That is awesome. That always uh, warms my heart. As a side note, you'll always know, you know now why I will always call my daughter baby girl. That's it. She wants to be like her dad because there's deep sense of trust. I got her. I'm going to hold her dear always. And that is something that our Heavenly Father is saying this morning. We took the bread. We came to communion. We took the juice. That's it. In John chapter 1, he says to you, by name, through this sacrifice, you now have the right to be called children of God. He holds that very preciously. He says, I got you. So this morning, it's about joy. This morning, it's about dreaming the impossible. This morning, it's about deep trust. So we're going to look at Judges, and let's look at Gideon. And Judges is a time in Israel's history where they've come um, to the land that God has promised. They've come out of the Exodus, they've come into the land, they've conquered the land, but they haven't quite settled it. So this is a transition between the conquest of Canaan and actual kings. And what happens is that they're settled in the land, and they have all these neighbors, these nations that come in, Samson, the Philistines, etc. Now we have Gideon, 
And so God calls up these judges to save them. And now we have Gideon um, that has been called to save Israel from the Midianites. When we come to Gideon, he's not really a proper judge. He's not a superhero. He's not heroic. He's not confident. He was afraid. But God uses him as a judge to deliver Israel in odds that we cannot even imagine. But still, Gideon spends most of, most of the narrative afraid and doubting. But God comes to him and says this during the midst of that in Judges six, fourteen through 15. Gideon, go in strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. He's making excuses right here. What does God reply? He says to Gideon, I will be with you and you will strike down the Midianites as if they were but one man. That's awesome. In chapter 7, Gideon and his men go to war with the Midianites. Gideon raises up an army of about 32,000. The Midian army had 135,000. So what's the ratio there? How How much are they outnumbered by? It's school time. (laughs) Four to one, right? Four to one. And so what happens is God comes to Gideon in the midst of this and says, you're outnumbered four to one, Gideon. And Gideon's response probably is something like this. Finally, God, I'm glad that you see the problem here. Let's do something about it. That would have been my response. But what does God say? Yeah, you have a numbers problem, but you have too many soldiers. So God replies to Gideon, he says, you don't need that many soldiers because this is my battle. And he tells Gideon to send home everybody that is afraid. How many people go home that are afraid? 22,000. Okay, so continuing our math, how many does that leave Gideon? 10,000. How many are they outnumbered by now? 13 to 1. I have faith that you're just doing this in your head, okay? You don't have to show your work. God came to Gideon again, okay? They're outnumbered 13 to 1, yeah? He says this, Still there are too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will sift them there for you. If I say this one shall go, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. Separate those who lap water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. 300 men lapped with their hands to their mouths, and the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with these 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. So let's do the math now. Midian soldiers outnumber the Israelites about 450 to 1. Okay? And just to make sure you get a real clear visual of this, what this would be like is if everybody here, you all, against me, okay? I'll meet you in the parking lot after the church service, yeah? 450 to 1. That's ridiculous. That's not going to happen. But God says, this is mine. He has a reason for this. Gideon wasn't the only guy in the Bible who wrestled with fear. All the giants did. Abraham, Moses, Joshua, David, Elijah, Peter, all the disciples, everybody did. 
the most common command in the Bible is this. Fear not, because I'm with you. God says, I'm a big God. I don't want you to handle things on your own. Does anyone here ever wrestle with worry or anxiety? Fear is a pretty universal emotion. This last week has been a long week for me. It's been a week where I've struggled. It's been a week where I've been wrestling with God. I've asked God why. I've asked God why now. I'm preaching this Sunday on Gideon and dreaming big and trusting you and stepping out. And I have been. I've been doing that. I've been saying, God, I'm ready. Send me. You don't have to convince me to go. I don't need a fleece, God. I'm ready. Last week, Ben and Lindsay Larson and I stood before you and were commissioned as a church to go to Turkey. This trip has been planned since late spring. We held our hands open to God and said, we're ready. There was a coup in Turkey that increased military action. There have been bombings all along. Still, we were going. The State Department declared a state of emergency for Turkey and issued several travel warnings. Still, we were going. This last Sunday, Turkey invaded Syria in an allied effort with the United States. ISIS issued threats of retaliation, specifically targeting Americans in Turkey, kidnapping, murder, increased bombings. The State Department escalated their warning to American citizens traveling to Turkey at this time. Given the state of instability and uncertainty, we as Wyzetta leadership, in step with God's calling, have decided not to go to Turkey until the state of emergency is lifted. God said the timing wasn't right. He said, wait. I love my sister. I love my family. I want to go with all my heart and go and support them as a representative of Wyzetta and be with them during this time of uncertainty. I haven't slept very well this week at all. I've been on my knees. I've been lamenting. What are you doing, God? I don't get it. I'm dreaming big. I have joy. I'm trusting you. I'm moving. Ben and Lindsay are doing the same. We're ready, God. Why are you saying wait? What's the problem? What do you do when you feel like you're in step with God, when you're moving out, when you're dreaming big, and you feel like you're doing everything the way God would want, and then he shuts it down? This is part of discerning God's will. I've never heard a distinct voice tell me to go. God's will and calling have always been many little things adding up into one big thing, a deep impression. What I see from the biblical characters that were tested is an honest dialogue with God. David cries out to God, Abraham, Elijah, question God, go back and forth in dialogue. Jacob, what's he famous for? He actually wrestles with God. He's fleeing from Esau. He comes to this place. God presents himself in a form that Jacob can wrestle with him. And what happens after that encounter? Jacob's name gets changed to Israel. And Israel is really cool if you look at the Hebrew. It is composed of El, which is the God of creation, God that was present in creation, the Hebrew noun, and the verb Rasha, which means to prevail to exert oneself, to move forward. So after Jacob spends all night wrestling with God, God changes his name 
to Israel, which literally translated means to prevail with God. Anything is possible. That's the name of God's chosen people. Through wrestling, Jacob's name moves into Israel. Seems God has been preparing me for his answer about Turkey. And sometimes, I have to be honest, I really hate it when God prepares me. Because there's personal struggle. Growth is not easy. He laid on my heart the last couple months to do a study on lament and lament psalms. Lament psalms make up about a third of the psalms, so they're pretty important. God gave us a proper way to lament. And lament is not necessarily synonymous with to grieve or to complain. Those two, complaining, grieving, are part of the laments, but lament does not end there. So I just want to walk through a couple characteristics of laments, okay? So because if you follow all the way through, what you'll see I think is pretty cool. Every lament psalm starts with an address to God, right? And I like this a lot because it just the addresses are just, Mighty Lord, O God, Simple, short. Out of all the worldviews, all the religions, there's something really unique about our relationship with God. For example, if Egyptians are going through this and they're addressing um, the ancient uh, texts, if they're addressing their gods, it's pages and pages, long introductions. The Babylonian texts are the same. Why? Because they don't know their gods. We, out of everybody, can know our God. We have a noble God, particularly in the incarnation that came down. We have chances to encounter God face to face. I like that. So a lament starts with just calling out God. Moves on to the complaint. We see a lot of complaints. In Psalm 22 and Psalm 42 and 43, David, the psalmster, cries out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God, where are you? I have enemies all around me. I'm getting kicked around. Time out. Help me, God. There's a complaint. But a lament, while complaint is part of a lament, it doesn't stop there because lament moves on. It goes to remembering the past. What we did this morning at the table. We remember Jesus and what he did for us. So we see in the Psalms, continues. Remembering the past. God, you did this. You delivered us from the Egyptians. You took us out. You parted the sea. You've done all this. You've made this kingdom. God, you've done it. A complaint stops right there. It's inward focused and it turns away from God. A lament, when you start remembering the past after the complaint, turns back into God. And what is the natural thing that follows out of that? Trust. An expression of trust. In total honest dialogue with God, you're complaining. You trust God enough to share your heart. But when you start remembering everything he does, there is a natural expression of trust in every lament psalm where they say, I trust you. And when they do that and when they move, what happens at the very end? There's a vow to praise. So every lament even when you're not understanding how God is moving, even when you don't understand all the things that are swirling around you, if you go through the proper lament, you push up into God, you know that he's real. You know that he isn't just some abstract concept that you've memorized in Sunday school. 
He's not some pat theological answer, but he is with you right now in the midst of your grief, in the midst of your sorrow, saying, I've got this. I've got you. And you move from that into praise. So come to him with open hands. He's got this. People that honor the process of discerning God's will, that struggle, that wrestle, they come into a face-to-face encounter with God. It's a Hebrew verb, el panay, and it's this, comes from creation, and it talks about God hovering over the water face to face. That is what we trace when you see all these biblical characters wrestling. God comes face to face. He meets them when you're honest. God, I trust whatever your answer is. Meet me here. I'm claiming your promise. I'm your child. I may not understand everything, but I remember your faithfulness to me in the past because that I trust you and I vow to praise you. Not my will, but yours. I trust you. You're bigger. You're bigger than my failures. You're bigger than my regrets. You're bigger than my sin and guilt. I give you my heart. God, you want to reconcile way more than I understand. Reconcile all things on heaven and earth. You've done the work on the cross. I choose to partner with you whatever, wherever, and to whomever you choose. I'm ready. Send me. God is with us. Emmanuel, he is the great I am. I am his beautiful child. My sister is his beautiful child. I trust that he's got this. What's the conclusion of Gideon? Judges 7, 19 through 21. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch just as they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke their jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars. Grasping the torches in their left hand and holding in right hands the trumpets they were to blow, they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran crying as they fled. We're going to pledge this school year to God, to be with our kids. Now, kids, this is the part finally for you, okay? The kazoos. Am I buccal? Would you come up? We're going to be in step with God. This school year is yours, God. That's what we're going to say. It doesn't matter that we're only 300 because God is with us. It doesn't matter that we're outnumbered 450 to 1 because God is with us. Please come up. Our battle cry is going to be for our neighbors, for our schoolmates, for our children, okay? Grace and truth, all right? So what we're going to do, kids, do you remember how to do the kazoo thing? You hum into it? Here's what we're going to do. This is going to be big end in your mouth, right? This is what we're going to do, okay? We're going to have our battle cry, and it's going to come out of John chapter 1. Light to the world, grace and truth. When we get close, I'm going to raise my hand, okay? When my hand comes down, that's when we're going to blow, okay? We're going to blow the bugle. We're going to blow our kazoos. It's our battle cry. We're going out this school year to God. Anything's possible with God. We pledge joy. We pledge big dreams. We pledge trust. Let's remember God's faithfulness together this morning as a church. Why is that a- Will you please stand with me?
Mighty Lord, we remember, with just a word, creation came into being. Your love is overwhelming. You placed your fullness in a baby boy, laid him in the manger. Jesus, we remember. With a word, the storm ceased, the lame were healed, the blind saw, and demons fled. Jesus, this morning, we remember the cross. When all beings saw eternity, when heaven came down and touched earth, and history was suspended and time stopped, and you brought reconciliation for all creation through your sacrifice, through your blood. Jesus, we remember, the tomb could not hold you, and after three days you rose and met your disciples on Peter. You built your church. Through Paul, you spread your church to the regions beyond. And we here this morning as a church pledge to move with you to spread to every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. And Jesus, you promise that as a church unified under you, that as we launch out together, dreaming the impossible, giving it all to you, as we step out in faith, that you are with us and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against us. This morning, we claim that promise. God, we come before you in a very public way, and we're saying we're ready. Our battle cry is from John chapter 1, because we are pledging this school year to show others your light and grace and truth, and they will have the right to be called children of God. Hear our battle cry, John chapter 1. The true light that gives light to everyone is coming to the world. All who decide to receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That was awesome. Thank you. That's for you. We want to close our service with a prayer for our kids, with a prayer for anyone involved in guiding our kids. We want to recognize teachers, administrators, moms, dads, volunteers in school or church, homeschoolers, parents, paras, adventure club leaders, Sunday school teachers, anyone who helps maintain our beautiful facilities for our kids. This is our prayer for you this year from Romans chapter 8. Father, hear our prayer. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one that condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is the right is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
You are more than conquerors through Christ. Live with great joy, dream big, and trust deeply.